this is Steve. And this is Ryan. You're listening to Sixty Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing podcast. That was a very polite intro, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> You're in a polite mood today, I guess. I suppose. <laughs> Are you going to keep this up the whole episode? No. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) All right. Welcome to episode 15. Yeah. The big one, five. 15. Uh, Are we going to celebrate in any way? No. Yeah, we're not. Uh, Who cares, right? Maybe uh, 25? Yeah, we could celebrate 25. Okay, cool. Quarter of 100? Yeah. Yeah, why not? And then we'll celebrate 50, and then we'll celebrate 100. 100. And then we'll celebrate. Just do, do you want to do the hundreds? Oh, just jump all the way to five hundred. Yeah, if we get to five hundred, that uh, means we're not going to celebrate for like. If a we couple get years. to five hundred, that will be. Uh, Was that ten, like 10 years? years? Wow, that's assuming minimal breaks. Do we? Oh man, I, don't, I haven't thought ten years ahead. Do we want to do this for ten years? Well, you know, we could get to five hundred faster if we switch to a shorter format. Let's get this really let's, uh, popular. Let's, let's chop this down to like five minute format. Yeah, like let's, no, let's get this podcast super popular, and then right around like 175, we'll just sell it off to Ira Glass and uh, Mark <laughs> Marin, and they can do the show. Ira Glass and Mark, Maron. yeah, it'll be incredible. Hang Ira on. Glass will play. Hey guys, we'll have Ira Glass play me, and Mark Marin will play you. Okay, and then they can switch, like every other episode. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Iron Glass, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Home. Hey, this is uh, Mark Marin. Uh, welcome, uh, 60 Cycle Humtards, 60 Cycle Hum Buddies, 60 Cycle Humanauts. Thank you, Mark, for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> this is awful. This is a terrible bit we're doing, and we should stop it okay. immediately. Hey, uh, what's new? You got anything? I do have something new. We didn't oh. discuss this before the episode. You, okay. uh, not to ruin the mystique of podcasting, we usually like discuss a little bit. Yeah, before well, we probably, we talk about you know, it. I don't want to say we have the. I'm sure there are podcasts with looser formats, but one thing that I don't know if. I definitely hear it in other podcasts, and some of it might just be because a lot of podcasts are Skyping. Sure. But I've heard other podcasters talk about their editing process. Basically, uh, when you listen to this podcast, you're hitting, except for the song, which we t- the song which gets tagged on like afterwards, uh-huh. you're pretty much hitting, hearing, um, hitting, hearing, wow. You're pretty. This is exactly what I'm it, getting Steve. at. Uh, you're hearing like 45 minutes to an hour of just like dual streaming conscious thought. Yeah, we uh, we know the topics we're going to hit. We have no idea what we're going to say about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think about it a little bit, but sure, but literally, sure. like we at the most like going in, literally, literally like 10 minutes before we press record, Ryan goes, "All right, for this episode, let's talk about this ad." And this ad, and, oh, what should our main topic be? Right. And I'll be like, oh, I saw this this weird question, or we got this yeah. email, or whatever. And you can help us out by yeah. sending us topics. When, <laughs> when you send an, when you send an email, it actually at least gives us more of an opportunity to think sure. about things. Usually, I just read the email and go, oh, that's a neat idea, and then I don't think about it again. Right. But, right. But sometimes I do. Like sometimes. In yeah. the back of my mind, it's there, and I think about it anyway. Uh, Spontaneity is fun. It yes. makes it interesting so, for us. So what's your new thing? Uh, new thing, I got that Topanga Spring Reverb a while back. Right, and you hate it. Uh, I don't hate it. Oh, okay. I, I used it on my recording uh, in the studio, and uh, uh, Catalan Bread, the guys who made it, 
uh, came out with a thing and they've revealed that it has a secret function. Oh, it has a secret in it. And uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, basically, what you do is you take uh, you take your pedal and you've got it turned on. Okay. And then you unplug the power jack, the nine volt power jack. Right. And then you turn. There's one of the specific knobs. You turn it all the way down. Okay. And then you plug it back in. Right. And then you turn the knob where you want it to be, and it basically it changes it from being a normal spring reverb. Uh, to being a spring reverb that has a modulation on it. Weird. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. Like it's got a really neat, like ambient kind of sound to Uh-oh. it. I'll, I'll have to show it to you later. After, yeah. When we're so, done recording. But, so, it would, how would you compare this to like the like the mod on? Because you had the Verbzilla before, right? Yeah. Is it like different than the mod it's function on that? Pretty similar or? to that. I, what I would describe it as is a more subtle take on like the uh the holy grail flurb setting oh, okay so it's kind of like a modulated reverb but it's kind of like airy and kind of like right. chorusy it's kind of like when you have the modulation on an analog delay right sort of yeah. sort of situation okay. but it's really neat that they threw that in there and didn't really tell anyone until you know kind of way after the fact that the pedal started selling yeah and it's not the sort of thing i I think you just discover on your own. You have to be told that you can do that. Yeah. I don't know if you can do it and then consistent, consistently power off your board and repower it. Right. And have you it might still have be to there. do the whole thing every time. Yeah. But it's not hard to do as long as you have your pedal set up where you can get to the power right. pretty quick. I think it does turn, uh, it does engage and disengage when you use a switch. It doesn't. So like every time you turn it on, you like every time you turn it on during your session, you don't have to do the trick sort of thing. Gotcha. And That's then you cool. can reset it, I think, just by pulling the power and then putting it back in without doing the knob thing. But yeah, that's my that's my new story for this this week. Cool. Uh, should we get into ads? Sure. Uh, first ad. Uh, this caught my attention. I follow a music shop that's up in L.A. on Facebook because they uh, specialize in kind of vintage guitars that I'm interested in. Right. And vintage amps and kind of the scene that I'm into. Uh, they posted this on their Facebook page a little bit ago, and it is a neck plate, just the neck plate from a Fender Strat from 1968, and it comes with four screws. I think the screws are new. They look like new screws to me. And we wanted to talk about this because just the neck plate off a 1968 Strat is worth $130, apparently. Yeah. And this is a piece of metal with four holes in it, a serial number stamped in it and the F logo from Fender. I'm trying to remember if in 1968 they had started stamping the necks with the serials yet. Well, I looked up eBay and there were only like two existing other things, other neck plates, and they both had the F on it. No, those, the F, yeah, I know they do that. I'm saying as far as it's got that serial number on it, where did they have the serial number on the headstock? So oh, I don't know. Because it seems like if you've got... Now, if, if they weren't, if they were just stamping it on the neck plate, then you can slap this on any 68 uh-huh. and you're in business. If that if it's got to be matching, then I, it's just kind of... I don't know. It seems no. like kind of weird. I don't think I don't think the number... Yeah, I don't think the numbers would correspond even if you... If it was pristine. Right. Uh, I have no idea, though. Yeah. I'm just pulling that guess right out of my butt. 
waving it around the room. Yeah. I don't know. Here it is. A lot of this sold. Uh, 68's kind of a... 68 is just starting to move yeah. into kind of like this vintage collectability right now. Sure. I mean, maybe it's been there for a few years, but not too long. Uh, because 68 is that like CBS era cusp. Right. It's like... Where CBS is buying them, but they're still using old parts. Right, right. Uh, it's The thing that's always interesting to me is that these parts that don't have anything to do with the musical quality or the sound quality of an instrument have this kind of value. And I get, yeah. you know, if you're trying to complete your guitar that has vintage parts on it like that you would spend the money on this sort of thing yeah you got to get the you know 1965 pots and yeah yeah we, we knew a guy who was guitar tech and he would talk about he when he would run into vintage pots and vintage like output jacks and stuff like that he yeah. would sell them for these ungodly prices and like i'd never spend that kind of money because i abuse my guitars and sure i would break that stuff but there are people out there who want these vintage parts for their projects or their thing that they're uh you know redoing or what's the what's the term renovating renovate restoring restoring and the real take home here is i mean the fender strat neck plate uh-huh. oh i spaced that one out <laughs> the neck plate that fender has used hasn't changed i uh, maybe no, not, not ever really. Uh, they've made. I mean, I've seen very slight variations on it, but the basic neck plate is basically the same. The one in this ad looks like the same one on my Strat, which is like like I said, la, I think last episode or a couple episodes ago, it's uh-huh. like a, a mid '80s Strat. Probably is the same one that's on your Strat, which is like a, a lot newer. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a piece this of metal with what four, it is. Yeah. four holes in it. Yeah, it doesn't do anything other than hold the neck on. Uh oh yeah, you uh, Steve's got an ad he's gonna read. All right, so we got this from Cody Thompson. This is a thanks, Cody. Vintage Acoustic Control Corporation amplifier in Northeast Portland for four hundred and fifty dollars. This is uh well, I'll read the ad first. Yeah, for sale it. is a late because this is uh this is kind of a neat story and it's one that I used to know more about. It, some of it's faded, but we'll we'll talk about it. For sale is a late eighties Acoustic Control Corp one sixty T tube head. This is the amp that put Acoustic out of business before Guitar Center bought the name, sort of. The amp copied the Mesa Mark series so closely that Mesa sued Acoustic for it. Okay. Um, The amp is switchable from 100 to 60 watts, has two channels, built-in reverb, five-band graphic EQ, as well as an effects loop. Something that's also cool is that similar to Dumble, this amp can be switched between a MOSFET or tube preamp. The clean tones are amazing making it a great amp for pedals i got it from centaur about a year ago they've gone it had they had it gone over by brian sowers and cleaned up i'm guessing if you live in northeast portland you know who the, sure. the store and whatever after i got it i also had jim at amp head check it out for a 30 plus year old amp it's in great shape um and that's basically it there's some contact information so parts of the story are very are at least fairly accurate in the lore of vintage of acoustic control corporation. Uh-huh. Some of it's a, you know, there's gaps. Um, so first, uh, is this the amp that put acoustic out of business? Sort of. It's an amp when they were going um, out of business. Yeah. This was kind of in the, this is what they call Wagner. I believe this was Wagner era, Okay, which was mid eighties, 85, 86, 
they did have like a, some stuff come out after that, but it, it basically by that point it was it was over. Sure. Um, this was also, I think, their not their I don't think their first foray into tube amps, but basically their first foray into tube amps since they had become like a big company. Right. I think there were some tube amps that they had made like in the late 1960s before they were really the acoustic control right. corporation of legend. And you know, uh, uh, we've talked about these, about acoustic control amps before. Steve and I are both big fans. Yeah. Uh, I'm using Steve's acoustic 150 right now. Yeah. Uh, acoustic is famous for their solid state amps. Their vintage solid yeah. state amps uh, that are, they just, I think they just sound amazing for being solid state. They're great amps. Uh, uh, to see uh, one that's tube is unusual, though. Yeah, I've seen these before. I've always heard they sound great. I was looking at some crate or some eBay listings. Four fifty for this head is a, is a solid price, yeah. apparently. Because I don't know what they're selling for because people don't really buy them. They're they're fairly rare. They're rare, and people who only people who know the acoustic story are the ones putting money down on sure. it. But the I was finding completed listings that didn't sell for like eight hundred dollars. Uh-huh. But again, they didn't sell, so so who knows what that means? Right. Um, but yeah, acoustic uh, stuff. I think if you go and like you listen to the Doors records, both uh, uh, whatever the the keyboardist and the guitarist Robbie Krieger and uh-huh. I don't remember what the what the other guys' names were. I think maybe all of them were using acoustic amps. Oh, really? Um, the uh, solid states or that too? The solid states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of people use uh, the solid states. The solid states. states have, Ryan has this sweet painting in our in our recording room <laughs> of uh, of Albert uh, Albert King. Albert King. He would play. And he played an acoustic yeah. two seventy, which was a kind of a more interesting thing they did. It was a uh, solid again a solid state amp. And the cabinet, the 271, I believe was the model number, had a giant, uh, like, tweeter on the top of it, yeah. like, a, like a hi-fi looking thing. I think it was like a 15-inch speaker with a tweeter. Yeah. With- so it's, like, a really unusual for a guitar amp. But it's, what's interesting about that is that you've got this old blues guy, a famous blues guy, playing through a solid, a solid state amp. And if you, you know anything about Stevie Ray Vaughan... Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of idolized Albert King's tone. Right. And the tone he was going after was originally produced with a solid state amp. Right. He went a completely different direction to achieve that tone. Instead of using a flying V and a solid state amp, he used a Strat and uh, he used twin reverbs, right? I don't know. And then he stacked the. All sorts of tube he was all about two screamers. So the other part of the story that is the less accurate part is. Um, well, one is acoustic. Would, like, like I said, was kind of already on the outs before they yeah. made the amp. Uh, this was definitely, I, as far as I've ever understood it, this was kind of the nail in the coffin. Sure. Um, the other thing is, it says that put acoustic out of business before Guitar Center bought the name. Um, yes, it was before. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so acoustic went out of business and at the end of the eighties. Um, I think that acoustic B three that I had, uh-huh. uh, this I had this big three hundred watt solid state amp. I think was bef- was after these came out. That uh, that was actually the last oh, generation. Okay. Was that weird? They had called the collaboration series. I'd have to check my dates. I I used to. I, so I, this is kind of like stuff that 
eight years ago I had in the back of my head like all sure. the time. Uh, <laughs> it's just I have to make room for other things. Um, <laughs> so so, so uh, anyway, after after they sold the name, that I I think Acoustic actually sold the rights to Samick. And um, so, fun fact. If you ever watched the movie, uh, so they sold the rights. The, the, I think the rights kind of floated. Samick eventually picked it up. And if you ever see the movie um, Josie and the Pussycats, uh-huh. the back line for the band Josie, and I'm talking about like the. What do you mean if you ever see Josie okay. and the Pussycats? If you happen to be watching it this week in your you know yeah. weekly routine of always okay. watching it every Is Josie Thursday. and the Pussycats on your top 10 greatest guitar movies of all time? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Top, th- top I five? Think I think I saw it when it came out because my sister rented it. I haven't. <laughs> That's too bad. I don't think I paid attention to it. Um, but anyway, they <laughs> actually use acoustic amps. Oh, okay. Uh, that I believe were the, from the Samick production. But again, Samick, like this was something where Samick made a bunch. I think maybe they sold some of them in Japan. Sure. People in the United States saw uh, pictures of them and they were like doing reproductions of them and uh but then nothing really came of it uh and then samick had it and i don't remember who had it after that but basically it went from being acoustic control corporation to something where like just the acoustic badge was kind of getting like passed around from company to company and currently like the ad says uh guitar center owns the rights to the acoustic name sort of um now the current acoustic line is last I heard was being manufactured by I think either Loud or St. Louis Music. Uh-huh. Basically, um, uh, I want to say it's like the same company that's making, um, or at least at one point used to own like Crate and like that kind of right. kind of stuff. It's there's, kind of like Kirkland brand. Like you go to Costco and there's Kirkland brand. Yeah. Costco's not actually manufacturing that stuff. They're having other companies manufacture the stuff and then they're just yeah, putting the, that brand the on it. The actual, I don't know if this is currently the case, but if you look at the design features for a lot of acoustic amps and then compare it to the design features for a lot of, and layouts, knob layouts for a lot of custom amps. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe Custom is actually the company. At least this was the case like four gotcha. years. When these first rolled out like four years ago. Uh-huh. Custom uh, with a K. Cu- Custom with a K was was the company that was manufacturing these. Uh, for you Gear Talk Praise and Worship guys, the classic video by Sunseed, Jesus is a friend of mine, uh, ha- also has an acoustic amp. I believe the bass player is running through an acoustic amp in that video but that's period correct i mean right, that, right. that video came out and that song is very like late 70s early 80s and that was that was actually a i think a generation three acoustic amp when they were still when they started making catering towards the low end but but we're still awesome mm-hmm. uh anyway the the whole thing i'm just rambling on this yeah, because yeah. you got me started uh, <laughs> Well, once we get to talking about acoustic amps, yeah. this is all out the window. Oh, That's all, all we're going to talk done. This about. This should have been the topic. Oh, man. Um, acoustic amps. So I haven't checked on it in a while, but as far as I know, Guitar Center owns acoustic. There is a company, um, and I'm not exactly sure what they badge out. I want to say they sell everything as Acoustic USA. Uh-huh. That is basically building... Uh, amps to similar specifications as the original Generation One, Generation Two, fend- uh, or Fender, Generation One, Generation Two acoustic stuff, 
Uh, so they've made like a new acoustic 360, 361 combo, which is what uh, Jaco Pastorius was saying is for right. using. It's what uh, the 370, 371, I think is what John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin used. So Acoustic USA has the rights to sell, but it's like super expensive stuff, like $5,000 for an amp and cab combo. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And, you know, they're not expensive to buy used. No. They're on the market. You can no. buy these Yeah, used. you can buy these used. Like you can get an acoustic head for like 250 bucks. Yeah, you can probably get the 360, 361, or 370, 371 combo yeah. for under $1,000. The new one has like some more modern features. Apparent, supposedly, they, they're in the same vibe. Sure. But, but they sound better. But, uh, you know. Yeah. But anyways, coming it's back real, to this real high-end bass stuff. That's a cool amp. If you're in the area and you're looking for a really interesting old tube amp, that's probably yeah great yeah. place to start. I'm sure it sounds high wattage. Awesome. sound awesome. If you want to sound loud and you want to sound like loud tubes, that's the, I would go for that rather than a, a Mesa Boogie. Yeah. For sure. And it's it looks great. Yeah, it's brown. It's got a cool style to it. They, they, brown. The brown was a departure, but it, it was definitely yeah. like a good good look for yeah. them. So you were saying earlier about how you had stuff in your head maybe eight years ago that isn't there now. Yeah, talking about this sort of stuff, and uh, I had to have to relay a story to you. Our our good friend of the show, Adam Powell, he made the oh, yeah. the the uh, this, the theme music for us and has done other things for us in the past. He went on a road trip recently with his wife and kid. He went out to the Grand Canyon. And on the way there, on the way back, they were catching up on listening to episodes of our okay. show. And uh, his wife, Chelsea, got uh, angry in the way she does. Playfully angry that we know too much stuff. Oh, my god! We gosh. just know so much stuff. How could we possibly know all this stuff to the point where <laughs> we can just talk and talk and talk about it? So I thought that was a funny story. That's, and uh, you just rambling on and on and on about well, acoustic amps. What's apps. actually really, funny, reminded about, me what's really funny about it is this is like just a, for me, probably for you too, like this is just a very small piece of oh, we like know. the random crap. We know too so much I, stuff. Yeah. Well. Maybe we'll talk about the random like yeah. randomness. This of is what you later. get for caring about something that has very little benefit in your life, other <laughs> than helping you to buy more things that you don't really need. Yeah. No, guys, I work in science. This is a departure. This is what I right. do for fun. Yeah, <laughs> I learn random guitar facts. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's we're just always shopping, and when you're always shopping, you're always <laughs> learning. Yeah, I'm sure if we ask Chelsea about uh, about like heirloom tomatoes <laughs> oh yeah everyone has their hobby everyone has things they know about but it is kind of offensive how much stuff we know about guitars is it, is it offensive <laughs> it's disgusting i think imagine it's if we gross. imagine if we knew all of these things about like something useful what if we knew all these things about uh my little pony oh god then when people would think my we were really pony. weird my little pony <laughs> i found the article about our next ad uh, it's a company that is making these two instruments. One is called the Betar, and one is called the uh, the Butar. Yeah, uh, hard to read them, but one the word sounds easy. Betar, Butar. But when you're looking at the word, you're like, ah, how do I say yeah, this? Yeah, basically, it's it's uh, it's a Jaguar style body or yeah. Jazzmaster style body. Uh, it's got a custom neck on it, 
and really unique custom pickups. The pickups grabbed my attention. I think the pickups are cool. Yeah, the, that's the, actually the only thing yeah. about this guitar that I thought was cool. <laughs> the concept is not a new concept. If you're familiar with the band Local H, this well, is basically what that guitar does. What was their does. hit? Do you remember? Uh, uh, Bound for the Floor. Oh, right. Uh, one where I'm not going to even try to yeah. say it. Uh, look them up if you want to. Basically, Local H is a two man band where the guitarist plays bass and guitar at the same time, right? Uh, in the way that his guitar has two bass strings instead of two low yeah. strings on it, and he has hacked in a P bass pickup to go under those strings, right? And he has two outputs. Uh, one to go to a guitar amp and one to go to a bass amp. This is kind of a similar concept. It's by the company Eureka Sound. And uh, it's got this custom neck on it that gives you four guitar tuners for your guitar strings. And at the very uh, top side of the fretboard, uh, where your low strings would usually go, there's two bass tuners. Now, is that the Beitar? Yeah. Or the Butar? I'm not sure what the difference is. One has one bass string and one has two bass right. strings. That's the difference. Uh, that's the difference. Uh, so basically, you have a six-string instrument that gives you two bass strings, so you can play bass and guitar at the same time right. to an extent. Uh, stuff like this is really useful for people who are in two-man bands or one-man yeah. bands or want to jam around with something really different at home. Like People really uh, build their style around instruments like this. Yeah, uh, I think it's a cool concept. I don't think the execution here is good. Right. And I think the reason I don't like it is because what we said earlier about how Local H's guitar has two outputs. This has a single output. If you're really playing bass and guitar at the same time, uh, bass doesn't sound the same through a guitar amp. No. If you want to sound like a bass guitar, you need to run through a bass amp. Uh, and you definitely don't want to play your guitar through a bass amp unless you're going through for a really clean sound. Uh, pedals. Pedals. <laughs> But still, you want to split that up. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not about. Are it. you sure it's only single output? I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Let me see that thing. I didn't read it all the way. <laughs> now we pause as Ryan. Yeah, reads. now we pause the podcast so Ryan can read stuff. I don't see anything on the list that says anything about two outputs. And the the demos I watched, there was only one cable plugged into the oh, guitar. Really? Okay, well the, that settles it. Yeah, another thing that's neat though. And I would, I kind of want to get in touch with this company just to see if I can buy the pickups. Because yeah. the pickups are a really interesting design. They're completely circular. They're like little round buttons. Yeah, they kind of remind me of uh, the Music Master Yeah, uh, like the old pickups, Fender like split Fender, pickups. The old, little oval ones. Yeah, and there's only three pickups on one of the models and four on the other. But they're little circles, and they look like they fit under two strings at a time. I would love to play around with a bunch of those. I'd love to get my hands on... Like 10 of them? Yeah, about 10 of them or like 9 of them. Right. And throw together a guitar that just has all these little dots all over the place. And oh, I can gosh. individually select them with individual toggle switches. I can have a guitar with 9 toggle switches on it. And I can choose which pickup combinations I want at nauseum. Like just completely insane combinations. Uh, so maybe that'll be part of my gear journey in the future is getting in touch with these guys and yeah. ordering a bunch of little be pickups. Be like, hey, we talked about you on our podcast. Can you send me some pickups? <laughs> yeah, I don't think 
we want to tell them that we talked about them because we kind of just said that we don't like it. Well, it's a design. Well, I mean, they could improve on the design. They could take sure. your suggestion. Just, That's true. Just All they got to do design. to get me to, to give a thumbs up is to put a second output on there. Yeah. I I mean, I like the concept. I just, yeah. I, I would never do play it personally, but I could see myself concept. messing around with it. Uh, I don't know. I could, I could see that that sort of concept being embraced by a few people that I know, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to play this and it's going to be in like my right. instrument for this band specifically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So look them up. If you want to see it, I'll post a picture of the ad so you can see what we're talking about. Uh, do we want to move on to topics? Let's do it. Okay. We've got a topic. Let me pull up. The original post. Oh, yeah. I'm to, grabbing this from... To, today, we're going to talk about girls. We're going to talk about Sub-gir- girls. Some girls. Hey, ladies. or well, the women. Uh, this is going to get real misogynistic up in here. This, I hope not. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Massage can, does sound kind of nice. No, that's different. Misogynistic? Okay, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh <laughs> this is a post that was originally put on Gear Talk Praise and Worship and it's it's I'm just going to read it. It's not specific to the praise and worship scene. It's I think it could be applied very generally to the guitar scene and the music scene in general. Yeah. Here I'll read it. Okay, this is kind of the elephant in the room, but what do we as men do about the lack of women playing instruments, not just singers? I know it's not just a praise and worship issue and it flows from a wider industry problem but just like in business there are loads of women that want to play or might want to play but there are no role models for them so practically what can we do to encourage and lift up our sisters in faith to be more involved or uh, lift up our sisters in rock to be more involved or our sisters in music and the uh the responses are all over the map and I thought it was just a really interesting topic. What What's your take on it, Steve? Um, so there's kind of two sides to this. And one is, and one of the things that, one of the points that, so there are actually a couple gir- girls or ladies, yes. or I don't know how old they are, so I don't really know how to reference females. Sure. Um, I just say ladies. ladies. I think ladies is all encompassing. I don't know that kind of if what, that is degrading anyway. I hope not. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, and what they mentioned is whatever, like, says Steve. is, uh, the the issue that they tend to run into is that for like for me as a bass player people say like oh man you're you're a great bass player or they don't really say that but but <laughs> if for, they did someone might say like oh you're a great bass player whereas if a girl was a great bass player they would say oh you're 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 a really good girl bass player yeah, or you're a great bass player for a girl yeah and it's like so uh or like so one of them was talking about those it's a female multi instrumentalist. Oh, and she's known in like the her like towns, uh-huh. re, like studio musician circle as. Oh yeah, get the girl drummer. Right. Like oh, not go get whatever her name. Go is. get this person by by their name. name. Yeah. Oh yeah, just because go, they're go, a professional musician. Go get the musician. girl drummer. Go get the gr- and she plays guitar and bass. I think. Yeah. Oh, go get the girl bass player. She's really good. Why right. is she the girl bass player? Why don't oh just why not go get name? She's yeah. really good. Like if I talk about some other musician that I know, I don't that happens to be man. I go oh go get this man musician or go get yeah. this boy musician. Unless you know, I guess if they were really young, I would call them a child musician, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you've really 
uh, struck to the heart of the issue pretty darn quick here, Steve. Yeah, I just went for it. I yeah. mean, we can expand on this is sure, definitely sure. something we will expand but on I, I over the next few minutes. But generally, people, what I've learned in life is people don't like to be pigeonholed or complimented or even addressed on the aspects of their identity that they don't have control over. Like, so, uh, like, I'm a tall person, I've got hair of a certain color, and I've got eyes of a certain color. It it makes me feel a little uncomfortable when people come up to me and say, and compliment me on my physical features. Like, oh, you're so tall. Yeah, I'm tall. I Congra- didn't have anything to do with that. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks for the compliment. I didn't do that. Like, that's just how yeah. it turned out. Like, I can only imagine... Like how frustrating that would be if you've worked so hard for so much of your life to become a person of skill, and then that skill is always prefaced by yeah. your gender, which is something you didn't have control yeah. over. And it's like, why are you mentioning my gender at all? Yeah. Like mention how good I am at doing this or how bad I am at doing this. Oh, we need a guitar player. Oh, yeah. Go get that blonde guitar player. Yeah, get up, get us a real nice blonde guitar player. Yeah. So, so or what? a real tall guitar player. Like yeah. people, that makes people uncomfortable. It's and it's just it doesn't make sense otherwise. Right. People uh, want to be complimented yeah. and recognized for their abilities and their personal achievements. Yeah. So I think part of this is just that one, one, and actually, my wife was talking about this in in a. In writing, in in the because she's an English major and she was uh-huh. reading this article about like how like oh there's no great there's like and it was like a bunch of men saying like oh ma- why are male writers so much better than female writers and I didn't think about this till right now but it really like feeds in why are like why are there so many more male musicians and female musicians and it's because music. Which for a couple of different reasons, but like writing back in the day, like oh, for they're saying like oh, for every Charlotte Bronte, right, who wrote Jane Eyre for you illiterate, that's me guys out there, <laughs> or you know like Jane Austen or whatever, like your female du jour is like there's right. like nineteen William Shakespeare's, like that's kind of like the mi- nineteen Shakespeare's. That's like the mindset, like oh, for right. every like great female writer of a previous generation, there was like twenty great male right. writers, yeah. 200 years ago when these books were being written by women um they were expected to be in the bare in the barefoot kitchen pregnant and naked or whatever barefoot kitchen? you know, you know <laughs> and so i know what you mean yeah. consider like what when did women get the right to vote in the united states like 1925 something like that yeah. like as far as the the national thing like it was this is a 24 or and women are still thing. suffraging today yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, so in the same way, like women, if it's always been like women singers because like, oh, you can sing, but then you don't have to carry any of the equipment because it's so heavy. Um, and then, uh, and then I think just kind of like the whole, like, as we talked about in a previous podcast, like the guitar terminology being like this aggressive thing, mm-hmm. that kind of mindset of like guitars, like this wild and crazy thing lends itself to a mindset like fits in a mindset where we say, Oh men are men can be wild and crazy, but women are supposed to be reserved. So I think, um, in each generation, we've kind of like had a moment of like female, 
like where female driven music has kind of like come up uh-huh. but then it kind of like goes back down and then it comes up again and it's it's almost kind of like this novelty thing so i'm thinking of like you know late 60s janis joplin even though she was just sure. like a singer and then uh, like the carpenters and like the carpenters or like heart yeah um well, that's seventies and yeah. 80s. As you moving moving forward, hard yeah. uh, the the thing Pat Benatar, Pat Benatar. What's Joan the one Jett. that what that Lindsey Buckingham was in? Oh, I don't know. Lindsey Buckingham is a dude, but um, oh my Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac. Um, so you kind of have these moments where like where you have women, but you, you're you think about like oh, who are your female guitar players? I can only name. I honestly can only come up with as far as like rock music. Sure. Because you got a lot of like female singer songwriters. Well, there's a ton of girl bands in the 90s. Uh, That's true. A lot of them. That's true. You know, I'd say that a a number of them weren't musicians, like playing an instrument. A lot of them were singers. But then you have bands like Veruca Salt. You have Hole. Yeah. You have. uh, They were just in my head and now they're gone. Uh, there, there was a bunch of yeah. you know even Alanis Morissette was playing guitar and I, I think there's a broad cultural problem with the image of electric guitar specifically where it's seen as a men's instrument which yeah. that's not necessarily true and I think there's only a certain percentage of the population that's ever willing to kind of thumb it at convention and do their own thing. Right. And so you're only going to get a certain percentage of girls that are, or women that are going to be like, Oh, well I'm going to learn to be a lead electric guitarist. Yeah. And, where if a girl and, or a woman is, is, or a lady, <laughs> what term should I use? If a lady is generally interested in music, but they haven't picked like a direction yet, they will more often go to the, the areas that, are already pretty the path that's well well trodden right they'll become an acoustic singer songwriter type yeah. girl which is it common. for jewel they'll become the singer of a band they sure. will play piano which is common for women and ladies they you know if you look at an orchestra pit these days there's tons of ladies in the orchestra pit playing violin playing right. cello playing uh, woodwinds playing whatever is in there because the public image is that women can do that. Yeah, and that and it's, it's not a men's only sort of deal. And right. I'm sure there are struggles within those communities as far as sexism goes. Anytime there's, you know, some dude with a dick around, he's going to want to put it in something. Okay. <laughs> he's going to be, he's gonna, I'm not sure how we suddenly got here. He's going to be, you know, a, a bad dude to right. whoever is around him. Well, and there, there's also just uh, the idea that like, uh, fem- all like one all g- girl bands is. I mean, I I'm don't... a big fan of like the '90s girl yeah, bands. Yeah, were the Breeders an all girl band? Oh yeah. Oh, I don't think they're all girl, but you have uh, what's her name from the Pixies in there? Oh, we're, I didn't Kim, know that. Yeah, that's Kim Deal's band. I did not know that. She, uh, her... she, she's a bass guitarist, right? And she was in the Pixies before. Yeah, yeah. The, the girl. She was she the singer in the Pixies. She would sing in the Pixies with, along with yeah. Frank, she was kind of like Black. a background vocalist, but a lot of people. Or don't want to have the Pixies without Kim Deal sort of deal. Sure, sure. And, and so, but the thing is, like the Breeders and Vrukasal and, and even Hole, uh, they they were kind of like there was like this chick rock. Yeah, and it was very. It was like it always becomes like a novelty. And I was just thinking about like, uh, you know, oh yeah, you like girl bands like the Breeders. 
But you never say, oh, hey, you like dude band? You, yeah. do, you, do you like man bands? <laughs> you should really check out this guy band. Yeah, you should well, check there out. are boy bands. Yeah, well, that's true. You should check out this man band. They're called Nickelback. <laughs> they're really cool. It's, it's all men. You wouldn't yeah, believe it's, it. It's weird. And it's they're crazy. actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, did we just say that Nickelback is pretty good? <laughs> yeah, for a man band. But, okay. Um, so, so, so that's one thing is, is that female... Female bands, all girl bands, are treated like a novelty. So maybe they get their like five minutes in the spotlight or fifteen minutes of fame or whatever you want to call it, and then they just fade away. Well, I think it seems that way just because uh, there's so few of them. Most bands fade away. Well, very yeah. few bands yeah. stick around. Uh, but there are uh, you know other girl musicians out there. Uh, wasn't one of the member original members of the Smashing Pumpkins was. A, a lady. I was. I think uh, it was a bassist. Yeah, um, Melissa Oftemar. Yeah, that's right. Was it Melissa Oftemar? And I, th- I think when, I don't know if she was one of the original members. Uh, well, so Bill and see this. This goes both ways. Billy Corgan is all about female bass players. Yeah. So on the one hand, it's like, hooray. We've suddenly segued into like yo is this racist, but it's yo is this sexist, right? Right. Where it's like. Oh, her, you got a new bassist, her, and it's a lady, and, and it's a girl. Hooray for pr- promoting women! But what's your deal with got to have a female bass player? Yeah, what's that going seems on there, like dude? kind of like like creepy. Yeah. Um, so if we look at this in the worst way possible, uh, like Andrew T would. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, and so, yeah, so you have that, and and I think there's just a really like a lack of role models in rock music sure um, I mean I especially know, in current rock music I can't think of a single uh, girl a rock few band years right ago now. well a few years ago you had this uh, did you did you have you ever watched any of the uh, Orianthi stuff no uh, so it was this this girl and basically what how she got famous is well I don't want to say like how she got famous uh-huh um because all of a sudden I sound really misogynistic. Um, but she was um, she was featured in the... So I guess she was up and coming. And then she was featured in the... Um, this Is it This Is It? Whatever that Michael Jackson... like Remember, he was okay. going to go on tour and then he died. I, I never watched that. I didn't watch it either. But I guess she was in it. And she's the she was going to be the guitar player for Michael Jackson. Okay. So here you have this girl who in like the modern era who's like kind of in that Lita Ford shredder vein nice. of like you have this girl who can rip Eddie Van Halen's was it beat it? Yeah. Was that the big one that Van Halen uh, recorded? A couple. I think he played yeah, on he a did couple. a few stuff, but a few of few Dan of those songs. But I think it was Beat It. it. There um, was another one. Anyway, not doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Uh but she was in there because she had like serious uh, guitar skills and then she ended up putting out like a couple songs uh some like a couple small singles but she, her name pops up every once in a while as like she's sure. like possibly could be a role model but at the same time i remember when she came up like even i was thinking like oh this is different like it's a a female shredder guitarist like this right. is kind of unique yeah. and yeah. and so that's and th- so that's kind of just become the mentality um the the only other places that you see like all female or like female bands are kind of in these like big big like pop production so like Beyonce tours with an all girl band right um Jack White for one of his tours 
Uh, I think he would play one night with an all-girl band and one night with an all-guy <laughs> band. That's neat. Um, and then I remember he did some award show, and they made a big deal about it because he had both of them at the same time. Oh, okay. And they would, like, trade parts of the song. Um, but the thing is... is You bring up Jack White every episode. <laughs> I didn't bring him up in the last episode, I you don't didn't? think. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, you bring him up a lot of episodes. I so. do. What's I do. going on with you and him? I don't know. I don't even really like the White Stripes or the Rack on Tours or the Dead Dead Weathermen or whatever. You just gravitate towards talking uh, about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> the thing is, is there needs to be, I think, um, like a flag bearer, like a banner, yeah. like a, like a, you know, someone, some band that is just going to be like, is that's going to be the girl band that break finally breaks through and as like a hit on every format the problem is that um i don't know if things have to change before that can happen in I terms think culture of, has to change before that happens right and so where do does that start with with at, i mean this is probably something that has to start at the at the grassroots level at the ground yeah. level where you know you meet a girl who plays acoustic guitar and you say, well, why don't you play electric? Sure. And you start just, you, instead of accepting like, oh, this is a girl. She, of course she plays acoustic guitar. Right. You say, Hey, you play, you know, it, it takes other, it takes guys who are in bands who are like, I need a, I need a second guitar player for my band. Right. You play acoustic guitar, but what I need is an electric guitar. You want to play electric guitar in my band. Instead of saying, Oh, it's a girl. She plays acoustic. Like she won't be interested. Like, Right. Yeah, I don't know if you'd have the same attitude if you were talking about uh, some dude who plays acoustic. You might be like, no, oh, you wouldn't. oh, I could get that guy to play electric. Yeah. I guess I could see that scenario playing out. I think that's that's one place where where it can start. It's, you know, there's just, there's different things. I think we just have to, society just has to generally change their attitude towards it. And you have to see uh, it get to the point where, you know, people aren't singled out for their gender yeah. for being for playing what they play people don't really think twice when they see a lady bassist or no. a lady drummer but the for silver, some reason silver sun pickups have a lady bassist so yeah sometimes when you hear the female vocal in silver sun pickups it's not the dude does singing she really sing? yeah oh i didn't know that the first time i here's my story the first time i heard, <laughs> heard the silver sun pickups like when they first started getting on the radio like the first week or two i was like oh this is really neat i really like the sound of her voice yeah i really like uh i really like the sound of this and then I found out it was a dude, <laughs> and I, I don't like it anymore. Yeah, so like, I, I don't think it's a cool dude voice. I think it's a really neat lady voice. Right, right. I have, the, I have like the imagining album. this dude singing the songs doesn't do it for me for some reason. Yeah, I have the the album Swoon, and there's definitely um, she just does like a lot of harmonies and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and then like he, he, he doesn't look like the sound of his voice either. No. They're just <laughs> I don't know why it bothers me so much. Just I don't know. Because I like their songs. I think their songs are yeah. cool. It's just Just close your eyes. Just don't It doesn't matter. I'm not just, watching them when I'm just listening don't, to the radio. Just don't ask who is this. I know. Well, I know who it is. When now. the song ends, change the station before they when tell I you. When I hear who it is. his voice, I know who it is. Yeah. Oh man. I you know, this this whole subject is complicated and it's sensitive. Uh, basically, like what we said at the beginning of the topic is, 
if you have a, a musician in your life who's a lady, compliment her or critique her on the basis of her achievements, not yeah. on her gender. Like, don't even bring the, her gender into it because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, that's, at, that's at how no we point. change this. And if you catch yourself doing that, then try to adjust it in your life. I know that I'm, you know, trying to adjust that in my life as an American male. Mm-hmm. I'm not always successful. I'm trying to figure out how to be, you know, correctly sensitive yeah. when I need to be sensitive. And music is music is music. And it, it's just interesting how like certain instruments have been given gender. Yeah. I have never actually, I, I've never said like, I've never heard anyone say, oh, your wife is the girl piano player at church. No, you never hear that. Like, oh, your wife plays piano at church. Yeah, right. she's one of our three. Pian- we have three right. p- piano players on rotation. People say, oh, your wife plays piano. Yeah. Oh, oh you're the, sh- that's your girl singer? No, one's, it, no, no one, one differentiates between genders when it's a singer or piano player or really even a bassist anymore. Yeah. Or any orchestra instrument or an acoustic guitar. No one says, oh, a girl acoustic guitar player? It doesn't make sense because you already socially accept that both genders play acoustic guitar. Right. And that's really just where we need to get to, you know. Because I want to see and hear, you know, I want to see and hear ladies playing electric guitar. Yeah. I want to hear... That uh, influence on our society, you know. I want to hear where they're coming from. I want to see. Have you ever listened to the Halo Friendlies? No. I'm Tooth and Nail used to have like three or four different like all girl punk bands in the late nineties. Oh, okay. Like Halo Friendlies, and they had a couple other ones. But anyway, I just hit the mic stand. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't. No. What are we gonna do? Lose sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's wrap up this uh, this subject. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring you some uh, another surf rock song because I from... I put out that notice on the surf guitar forum a couple weeks ago and I got a couple replies. Yeah, uh, thanks to to people who replied. This is from David Martinez, yeah. and I think he's from Spain. He's from Spain, which that's is, awesome. Ryan was telling me that there's like a big uh, like surf. Yeah, there's a big surf over there. scene in kind of like the Mediterranean, yeah. like kind of, you know, French Riviera through Greece and huh. Italy and Spain and right. all that sort of scene. There's there's a big festival over there called the Surfer Joe Festival and a ton of people who play really classic surf rock over there. So we're going to play a track that he sent us. Uh, here, I'll, I'll read the description. He says, hello, friend. I send several songs that you can use if you like in your podcast. Uh, all we ask in return is that you visit and promotion my SoundCloud page. Uh, I'll put a link to the SoundCloud page when we post this episode. Uh, gear used. First guitar, Fender Stratocaster, 50 bridge pickup. Second guitar, Fender Stratocaster, American Deluxe Amber HSSH, HSS neck pickup. <laughs> having trouble talking at the end of the episode here uh based through out software emulation ampeg amplifier oh based through software emulation and then to an ampeg amplifier fender hot rod deluxe modified with middle control and a boss frv1 i have one of those oh an easy drummer for drums so they use oh cool a program for drums that's that's really interesting. The song is called "Dancing Crazy," 
Uh, I give it a listen. It sounds really good to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a cool song. So I hope you enjoy this song. Thanks for listening to our little podcast here. Sixty cycle. Like we've mentioned before, if you want us to hear, if you want to hear us talk about anything, email us at sixty cycle humcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, or jump on the Facebook group. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Uh, how many subscribers do we have now? Like uh, probably around eighty five to ninety something. Yeah, yeah, high eighties. Yeah. Uh, we want to get that up to the high 80,000s. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. So, tell. I was just thinking, like, it would be cool if we broke 100. Yeah, but... it would be cool to break 100. I'd like to get enough people on here that I feel a little famous. And I can, like, I can feel my head grow a little bit. Oh, gosh. And, you know, tell people that I'm involved with this podcast. And when I tell them the name of the podcast, they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. All my friends are talking about that. So, it's just, guys, just tell your friends. Make me famous. Make my dreams come Remember true. Remember when we used to go places and people would be like, oh, I think that's the guitar player I from your favorite I want to be band. the first podcaster to have his own signature guitar. <laughs> I, I want to go to the Vons and when I say, that'll be debit, they'll go, that voice, that where, vo- do I, where do I know that? Yeah, I feel like I should buy, be buying an electric guitar right now because yeah. it's your voice. I want it's to, so it's so like sloshy and slurpy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go you have trouble on, talking. I want to go on the Tonight Show with Stephen Colbert. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I heard like, people talking. I haven't looked at anything about that yet. I I don't know what to think about it yet. Okay, well, this is the end of the episode. Yeah. Enjoy the song "Dancing Crazy" by uh, David Martinez and the and the rest of his guys. Yep. Uh, this has been the 15th episode. 15. And this is the part where our voices fade.